All right, what's up, Life Church? Everybody's good today? Yeah. Awesome. Love the 10 a.m. crowd. How many of you, be honest, like you had plans for 8.30 but just wasn't happening today, okay? I see a few of you. Um, hey, I'm so uh, excited to be here today. As Pastor Lauren said, my name is Mark Rouse. I serve as the, uh, the lead pastor of Epic Church, which is a, a church that we started about six years ago. Uh, my wife, Rebecca, and our two girls will actually be here in the, uh, in the 11.30 service today. Uh, let me just say a few things before we jump in. And first off, I want to say uh, I am so personally excited and just fired up uh, to see and to hear about all that God is doing in this place uh, and man, people coming to faith in Jesus for the first time. I am from the Buffalo area originally, and so I love seeing that and the stories of life change. And then so many of you who have, I mean, you've grown closer to Jesus in this place, or maybe you've, you've found faith in him, or, or you're tracking towards that in this. Aren't you thankful for your church today? Yeah. It's just something to be thankful today for. Um, and to hear about the expansion and the legacy initiative, but just what, what a time, what a time. And let me just say this, if you're here for the first time today, I want you to know you have found your place. Uh, this is a place where you, you can grow in your faith no matter where you're at and people who will love you and come around side of you. You have an amazing staff, amazing team here, pastors, just uh, awesome. And to all of you who serve, to all of you who give, uh, to, to make things happen here, I want you to know this, if I could look all of you in the eye at the same time and tell you this, that you are making an eternal difference. That, that what you are doing matters, it really does. And I also want to take a moment, uh, even though Pastor Pete and Kelly are not here, I want to take a moment just to honor your pastor uh, today. Pastor Pete and I have had the chance to just become good friends over the last few years. And here's what you need to know. First off, I'm glad that they have an opportunity to get away and just kind of rest a little bit as a family. But uh, you need to know this, that, that your pastor and Kelly, and they love you and care for you more than you'll ever know. And they, and they pray for you, and they just want to see God's best unfold in your life. I get to be around a lot of pastors, and here's what I've found, that it's very rare to find somebody who is both a great pastor and a great leader. It's kind of a rare uh, combination, but you have that uh, in this place. And so uh, I know they're not here today, but can we just take a moment just to honor your pastors here today? That's awesome. So um, I'm also excited today to be kicking off uh, this new teaching series called The Problem of God. The problem of God, and uh, over the next few weeks, you'll have an opportunity to really press in to some of the difficult questions and some of the common pushbacks against faith in our culture today. And the idea for the series originally came from a, 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 a book, actually, with the same title, written by a pastor who is a former atheist, now pastors a church in the Vancouver area. His name is Mark Clark, and in the book, he shares not only his story, his journey to faith, but he also gives reason and answers to some of the most common pushbacks against faith in Jesus and some of the difficult questions that, that many people have asked and many of us have asked, and maybe some of us are in a season where we're asking some of these questions today. And so just to let you know where you're headed over the next few weeks, I know next Sunday uh, the title is The Problem of Science. The Problem of Science. Here's what that means. A lot of people think this, that if I choose faith, that means I have to check my mind at the door. And sometimes we have this understanding that God is like anti-science or something. Well, nothing could be further from the truth, and you'll have a chance to flesh that out next Sunday. And then you're going to look at the problem of evil and suffering. In other words, if God is good, and if he's in control, uh, why are all these things happening in the world? And to make it more personal, why do these things, these bad things sometimes happen in our worlds as well? So the problem of evil and suffering. Then the week after that, uh, you're going to look at the, the problem of hypocrisy. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, sometimes we, we can have doubt in our faith, and it can take us in the wrong direction when we see people, when we know people who, who claim to be Jesus followers, and they maybe even have the T-shirts and the bumper stickers and all of that. 
but their life doesn't really match up with that. It can be a problem. So the problem of hypocrisy, it's a big deal in our culture today. So that's where you're headed, but today we're going to start things off with the problem of Jesus. The problem of Jesus, meaning how do we know that Jesus is who he claimed to be? I mean, was the resurrection just a hoax? I mean, did he really die on a cross for our sins? I mean, how do we know that Jesus is who he claimed to be? Because let's face it, in our world today, there's a lot of doubt. Uh, even when it comes to just the, the idea of God, there, there's doubt. But even in the person of Jesus, a lot of doubt as far as who he is and did he really do what he said and, and all of those different things. So I want to camp out just on doubt for just a moment. So I have two daughters. Uh, they're ages 9 and 11. And it was uh, last Sunday, actually. I was up early getting ready for our services and all of that. And I come into our kitchen. And right on the, our kitchen counter, there is a, there's a note. And next to the note, there's like a little dish with about 10 jelly beans in there. And the note says this, uh, my oldest daughter wrote it, and she said, Daddy, if you, eat, if you eat all 10 jelly beans, I'll give you a whole pack of Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> now, right away, like, my doubt antenna went up, okay, what, like, what's, what's happening here? But I want to be a good dad, plus I love Sour Patch Kids, and so it's like, all right, let me try one of those, these jelly beans. Now, some of you probably know where I'm headed with this. There's actually a kind of jelly bean uh, known as Bean Boozled, I think that's the name of it, <laughs> Bean Boozled Jelly Beans. And I'm talking, uh, like, flavors like... Um, Rotten eggs, <laughs> earwax, vomit, okay? Aren't you glad you came to church today, by the way? It's like, and by the way, I know the guest services team, they have jelly beans for you on your way out today, so, so you can look forward to that. So I had one of these. I don't know which one it was. It didn't matter. It was disgusting. I, I spit that thing out. Well, later in the day, we had some family. I didn't get all 10, by the way, and I told her she could keep your Sour Patch Kids. I don't want them. <laughs> So later in the day, we had some family coming over, and my parents, aunt, uncles, all that. Well, my, my, my daughters were really excited that as soon as somebody came in the door, they were going to offer them a jelly bean, right? They're going to try to get them. So my family comes in, and right away, no hello, can I take your coat, any of that. It's just try a jelly bean, try a jelly bean. And like, my family wasn't having it. Like, they, they knew. They had, they, had, they, had, they had doubts. They had, they had pushback. Like, no, 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 I like, I've heard of those. I don't want any. No, thank you. My daughter's like, please, it's the best jelly bean ever, but no, no, the... You're not going to get me. That's, that's, that's what all my family was saying. Why do I bring all that up? Well, with doubt and with pushbacks, and I'm not buying it, that, that type of thing that's, as we know, prevalent in our culture, not just in our culture. If we can be honest, even in our own faith, our own lives at times, there, there, there's doubts that we struggle with, and there's, there's things that we maybe push back on sometimes, and God, are you really with me, and all of those different things. And so I'd love to talk about that today as we, we talk about really the problem of Jesus. And as we know this today, uh, doubt is nothing new. Uh, doubt, pushbacks, it's, n- it's nothing new. In fact, if I could go to the scripture, in John 20, verse 25, so this is after the resurrection, the news of that started to spread. Uh, one disciple, his name was Thomas, and some of you, if you've been around church, like you, you know a little bit about Thomas, but uh, here's the interaction he has, he has here. The other disciples told him, verse 25, that we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and I put my hand into his side. In other words, until I have my own answers with all this, what does he say? I will not, say it with me, believe. Now, Thomas is often labeled as doubting Thomas. (laughs) I feel like we should just call him normal Thomas. Because let's be real just about ourselves, that if, if, if if you walked with Jesus and you saw what he went through on the cross, 
And you knew that he was placed in a tomb, and now all these people are, are running around talking about he's been raised from the dead. I, I think we could be honest and say that we'd probably all have some doubts as well. In fact, I, I think what Thomas is really saying, he's not just trying to be doubtful, I think he's really saying this, I need answers. I need answers because if this is true, if my Savior who died on the cross for me and went through all of this, and he was, he was placed in the tomb, if, if he's really raised from the dead, like if this is really true, then it demands a response from me. In fact, I think Thomas would say, if this is true, I need answers because if this is true, then my only response is to fully live for him. Now, regardless of, of maybe where uh, you're at from a faith perspective or, or, or even culture, and, uh, there really is no arguing that the resurrection of Jesus changed the course of history. And, and here's what I mean by that. In, in, in that time, in the, in the first century, there there really were no Christians. Now, some followed Jesus. Some liked what he stood for. He's a good teacher, a good leader. Love how he cares for the poor and the broken and, and compassion and all those things. But after the crucifixion, it was over. Like, game over. It kind of ends here. But if you look at our world's history, starting in the first century, something amazing really started to happen. So this handful of, of Jesus' followers, all of a sudden, in the course of about 350 years... There's 33 million people who are, who are, who are Jesus' followers. Now, now, what happened? Because here's what you need to know. It's not like if you made that decision in, in, that, in that time frame that, uh, like, you got a special tax status or something like that. Like, your refund didn't go up, okay? You didn't, like, have all these special privileges. In fact, the opposite was true. If you were a Jesus follower in that time, it guaranteed persecution, I, won't, I know it's kind of graphic to think about this, but the believers of Jesus in that day uh, right, right in this time frame, uh, many of them were tortured, some sawn in half for their faith, many thrown into gladiator arenas with, uh, with, with lions and all those different things, many, many, many people actually losing their lives. So it brings up the question of why. Like, why would these people, why would these men, why would these women uh, be willing to die for their faith? And gee, why? Like, I can tell you this. It wasn't because they were excited about a new religion. It wasn't because of, uh, like, they felt strongly about their political views or anything like that. Let me give you the why behind it. The why is because there were eyewitnesses who could not deny what they saw. There were eyewitnesses who, like, they, they know what their eyes saw, and, and they did what you do when something important happens. They wrote it down, and, and the message began to spread. And so I want you to know this today, that your faith, if your faith is in Christ, and my faith in Christ today, it stands on the fact that, it stands on the resurrection of Jesus. And we can have assurance in that, in that today that it stands on the fact initially, and we're going to look more at this in a second, that there were, there were eyewitness accounts and it was passed down and 2,000 something years later, here we are in this. But as we know, uh, not everybody uh, was, was all in from a faith perspective, a lot of doubts. In fact, I think as we think about our faith today, as you think about faith in God or, or, or Jesus, there, there, there's, some, there's some general doubts that many of us sometimes have that we see even in our culture today. Let me give you a few of these, some common doubts. The first common doubt is just God's existence. And what I mean by this is really the question, God, if you're there, why don't you prove it? Like, have you ever asked like, God for a sign before? Like, God, can you just write God in the cloud or something like that? Just show him, just help, Okay. Or like, show me, a, show me someone's license plate that has a special message on it, like, just for me. God, like, just show me a sign. And what is that? It's really a doubting of God's existence. God, if you're real, why don't you just make that as clear as it can possibly be? The second common doubt is God's goodness. And the question for this is, God, if you're good, 
then why is this happening? And this may be a doubt that you're struggling with today as we think about just our lives. God, if you are good, then why this health issue? Why is this person who I care about so much, why are they going through this? Why this conflict in, in, in my family? God, if you're good, why is this happening? The third common doubt, is, we could call it God's involvement. God's involvement. So even beyond just the last one we looked at, God, if you're all powerful, let me say it this way, if you can do something about it, why don't you? Like if you can change this thing that I'm, that I'm facing, why don't you actually do it? So what, what is that? We doubt God's involvement. Now, I want to maybe encourage you on something today. A lot of people would say this, that doubt is the end of faith. I would argue that serious faith actually requires that we push through some serious doubt. Now, what we don't want to do is just stay stuck in the doubt, but a real faith, a tested faith, is one that has been just that, tested. Serious faith requires that we push through some serious doubt, but we don't want to just stay in that today. And so, in fact, like I was just thinking about like how I kind of navigate through doubt sometimes. Have you ever noticed there's a, like there's a word we use sometimes to communicate our doubt? You know what the word is? It's the word seriously. Anybody else, like you ever do that? Like seriously, God? Like it just, like this financial thing is happening. Now my transmission goes, like seriously? Like we just went through these two battles. Now another one, like seriously, God? Like that's, that's like the word we use to communicate our doubt. And I also want you to know this, that even back with Jesus' closest disciples, even as they're walking with him, doing life with him, they struggled at times to know exactly who he was. A lot of different opinions. If I could go to the scripture, Matthew 16, verse 13 says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say that the son of the man, son of man is? In other words, hey, what's the word on the street about me? Like, what are people, what are people saying? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or or one of the other prophets. Let me stop there for just a moment. They're they're basically saying here, hey, Jesus, nobody is denying that you're somebody special because we've all seen the miracles, like we we see what you're doing, There's, there's no doubt about that, but there's a lot of different opinions as far as who you actually are. And the same would be true in our culture today. There, there are some who look at Jesus as a great teacher, a great leader. Some just look at him as like a religious figure. And then, uh, of course, different religions claim different things. Buddhism teaches Jesus was an enlightened man, but not God. Hinduism teaches he was an, in, one of the incarnations of God. Islam teaches he was a prophet, but inferior to Muhammad. And then here's the truth. Some people put him in the same category with like Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or the Tooth Fairy. I mentioned this earlier. I have two daughters, 9 and 11. My youngest daughter was seven years old, so a couple years ago. Uh, We noticed that there was a note under her pillow to the tooth fairy. Now, some of you are like, well, what's the big deal with that? She didn't lose a tooth, okay? Like, there's just a, I don't know how long this note was there. (laughs) And I looked at the note and, like, read it, and here's what she wrote to the tooth fairy this day. This is the note. She said, dear the tooth fairy. It's like, you don't need the the, but it's okay, like... And she just said this. She said, see, I would like to buy lunch at school, and it's $2. I do not have that much money. Could you help? <laughs> From Olivia, P.S., right on the back. Right? It's worth a shot, right? Now, some of you are wondering, Mark, you don't feed your kids lunch? Like, what's the deal with that? Why is she asking the tooth fairy for $2? I, again, I don't know how long that note we do feed her lunch. Everything's, everything's good, but... 
Some people, right, they put Jesus in that same category with the Easter bunny, Santa Claus, tooth for solace of Jesus, right? So, so here, here's why I bring that up. Regardless of where you feel like you're at from a faith level today, there's no denying that, that Jesus, and we'll look at this in a second, that, that Jesus was indeed a real man who walked this earth, and he was crucified on a cross. How do I know that? Well, we know from different historical documents, and I'm not talking about the Bible right now, outside of the Bible, different historical documents that, that show us that. I'm going to give you a few examples. It might feel a little bit like history class for just a moment, but just go with me, okay? One example was a Roman historian named Tacitus. And he wrote about Roman history, specifically many of the different Roman emperors. And one that he wrote about, some of you may have heard this name before, is a Roman emperor named Nero. And around 64 AD, so about 30 years or so after the crucifixion, uh, Nero did something sort of crazy. He, he wanted to restart the city of Rome, and so he tried to actually burn it down. It did not go well. When it didn't go well, he tried to blame the whole thing on the Christians of that day. And here's what Tacitus wrote, uh, just in, in something known as the Annals. He said, consequently, to get rid of the report... Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class called Christians by the populace. So it says by the populace because in that day, uh, Christians didn't even go by that name. They, they were known as followers of the way. It was actually a derogatory term used in, in, in that time period. But he continues, Christus, so talking about Christ here, talking about Jesus, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilatus. Another example was Josephus, who wrote about Roman and Jewish history. Again, he lived in the first century, and here's what he wrote uh, a little bit longer, but here's what he said. Now there was a man about this time, Jesus, a wise man. He was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as, as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. He was the Christ, and when Pilate had condemned him to the cross, those who loved him at, at first did not forsake him, for he appeared to them. Alive again the third day, as the divine prophets had foretold these and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him, and the tribe of Christians, so named from him, are not extinct to this day. So even in our day today, many, many even uh, atheist theologians don't argue with the fact that there was a man named Jesus who lived, who walked the earth, and we see in other places outside of even scripture that he was crucified on a cross. Now, Obviously, the, 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 the debate or understanding comes at, well, was he the son of God crucified? And, and did he die for our sins? And, and was he raised from the dead? So we'll unpack that in just a little bit. Now, let me go back to the story in Matthew chapter 16. So again, Jesus, hey, what do people say about me? Well, some say this, some say that, some say this over here. But then he asked them, verse 15, but who do you say that I am? So Jesus is like, okay, great. Everybody has all these opinions. They say that, but like, who, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, because I want to uh, like unpack his story just a little bit. He actually gets it right here. He, he understood who Jesus claimed to be, and, and he says it here. And so here's what we need to know. Again, whether or not somebody has their faith in this or whether or not somebody believes all of this, I just want to be clear on who Jesus claimed to be, like what he said about himself. And the first thing is this, and if you're a note taker, it's okay if you're not, but if you are, you can write this down, that Jesus claimed to be God. So he claimed to be the son of God, God in the flesh. And yes, he was a great teacher and a great leader, and he cared for the poor, and he was full of compassion, and, and he fought against injustice, and like he, all of that is true, but he claimed to be the Son of God. By the way, this is why he was nailed to a cross. 
He was charged with blasphemy, and the people who, who arrested him and tried him and, and, and crucified him on a cross, they knew exactly what he was claiming when he said that. The second thing that Jesus claimed about himself is this, that he claimed to be the way. He claimed to be the way. So Jesus didn't teach that like all roads lead to heaven or like all like just kind of to each his own. It, it just, I'm just, I just want to let you know what he taught. He didn't teach that. He said this in John 14, verse 6. He said, I am the way the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. So let me go to Peter for just a moment. Initially, he gets it right. But if you know some of the story of Peter, when things start to go wrong, that's when doubt sets in. So Jesus is arrested, and he's tried, and, and all of a sudden, Peter, who was just full of faith, moves to a place of doubt. Why? Because things started to go wrong in his life. And isn't that how it works in our lives? Like you, you may feel full of faith I mean, when things are going okay or you see God moving, but then all of a sudden things don't start happening the way we want or we're struggling through some, something. Things aren't going great and, and that's when doubt sets in. Now, I, I don't know about uh, obviously like all of your faith story in here today. I don't know what your experience was like growing up from a faith perspective, but uh, both of my parents uh, were our followers of Jesus. My father is... Um, is a pastor as well, and so uh, I, I was taught the same, and so uh, I kind of, that's how my journey started, but when I was in high school and really in college, uh, I started struggling through some things in, in my life and some different challenges that I wasn't navigating well, and from a faith perspective, that's when doubt started to set in, and that's when I drifted just in my own walk with God and just kind of checked out of faith and just started doing my own thing for a few years, and and got into just, I'll just call it, put it this way today, got, in, got into a lot of just sinful behavior. Now, let me say this. Um, it was fun for a season. Now, be honest here. Don't lie. You're in church today. How many of you know sin can be fun for a season? Just go ahead and raise your hand today. Okay, stop. Now, for those of you who did not raise your hand, I want you to know two. One, you're either lying or you didn't do it right because sin can be fun. <laughs> it can be fun for a season until, until it begins to take its toll. And that's what started happening in my life. Nobody would have known it on the outside, but internally I was dying, I was angry, I was hopeless, I was broken. All from, all from doubt, and when things weren't going well in my life and, and, and doubted God's presence and, and, and doubt set in and it kind of set me off on a track, and I'll come back to, to that in just a moment, but that's how it works in our lives. And so let me go back to Peter. Full of faith, doubt, in fact, if you know the story of Peter, you know that when Jesus was arrested and he's starting to be tried and Peter's kind of following at a distance and he's approached by some people. Hey, aren't you a Jesus follower? Weren't you with them? Like, didn't I see you with them? And all of a sudden, this bold man, just full of faith, is shrinking a little bit. And we see this in Luke 22, verse 60. It says, but Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you've got the wrong person. And immediately, while he was still speaking, what happened? The rooster crowed from faith to doubt. Let me give you some good news. That, that, that faith, that boldness for Peter, it actually returns again. And he goes from this, this person who was just too scared to even admit that he was with Jesus, that he even knew Jesus, to all of the, like all this doubt and all of that, to all of a sudden something changes in his life and he's full of faith again, like a new boldness, a new faith you'd never seen before. And, and fast forwarding into his story, past the resurrection, and he becomes a leader in the early church. He's starting to speak to people about this resurrected Jesus. And we see part of this in Acts chapter 2 and verse 32. He's, 
He's speaking, and he says this to these people listening. He said, God raised Jesus from the dead, Acts 2, verse 32. And we are all, say this word with me, we're all witnesses of this. So let me stop there and just say this. How, how did Peter go? How did Peter go from denying that he even knew Jesus to then all of a sudden this new boldness, this new faith, persecuted for his faith? History tells us that he was killed for his faith. I mean, where did all of this come from? Like, what changed in Peter? Well, I can tell you this. He was not dying for a religion. He was not enduring all of this because of his political views. He was not, like, he was not willing to even lose his life over his faith because of just, like, he was just really fired up about Sunday services or something like that. Here, here, here's the why. He could not deny what he saw. He saw, he walked with, he spent time with the risen Jesus. He was an eyewitness along with others. And as I mentioned earlier, he did, and they did what people do when something important happens. They write it down. And then 2,000-something years later, here we are, standing really on some of the eyewitness accounts of people who with their own eyes actually saw it. Peter could not deny what he saw. Okay, what does this have to do with you? What does it have to do with me? Well, look what he says in verse 37 of Acts chapter 2. It says, Peter's words, it pierced their hearts. It's kind of like with Thomas, like it pierced their hearts, meaning, whoa, if this is true, like this demands a response from me. Like I've got to do something with this. In fact, they ask the apostles, brothers, what should we do? What do we do? Like, what's the response to all of this if this is true? I mentioned earlier, just with my own faith journey. And I, just getting to a very dark place, a hopeless place, an empty place. Uh, but thankfully, this was also the season in my life when God started to work in my life. And he started to, like, I started to wrestle with faith again. And I remember having this sense, still have the same sense today, that, man, there's got to be more to life than this. I know I've got doubts, I know I've got questions, but there's gotta be more to life than just, man, going to school and getting a job and making some money and, and, and maybe raising a family, maybe not, but then one day retiring and then in three generations, nobody remembers us. That's not a fun thought, by the way, for church. I just wanna be honest with you today. But I remember having this sense, like, oh, there's, there, there's, gotta, there's gotta be more. And I had so many doubts, I had so many questions, but I remember being in a church service just like this. I was 21 years old, so about two years ago. <laughs> I lied in church. I'm sorry for that. And to be honest with you today, I don't even remember what the pastor was talking about. I, I just remember this just sense in my heart, in my spirit, in my mind. I didn't know it at the time. I now know it's God's spirit drawing me to him. And I remember this, just this sense in my heart, Mark, it's time to go all in. It's, it's time to just say yes. But what about all these doubts? What about all these questions? Yeah, I, I know. But for me, in that season of life, today's the day. You know, one of the things I, I remember just having the sense of at that time is, is this, that what if you don't have to understand everything to believe in something? The, the reality is this, that you and I were not there in the beginning of time, and like we weren't there at the beginning, and so naturally there's going to be some doubts. There's going to be some questions. Like it, it's just a natural thing, but what if you don't have to understand everything to believe to place your confidence, to place your trust in something. So in John 11, verse 25, 
Because it kind of begs the question, like with all of this, like what, is, what does this require of me? Like what does this mean for me? Well, Jesus said this in John 11, verse 25. He says this, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who, what, say it with me, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. In other words, we can live eternally even though we die in this present world. So what does this require of me? What does this require of you? Well, just a simple word, and it's the word believe. The word, what does this require of us? Believe. Now, let me say this. I know many of you are here, and you would say, Mark, I've, like, I've done that. Like, I've, I've placed my faith in Jesus, and, like, I, I, I believe, and, like, I get it. And, okay, here's what the word believe means. And when the word faith is used in Scripture, the word means this, to have trust in or to place your confidence in something. So it's not faith in faith itself. It's not just faith in, like, a higher power, it's not just faith that things will get better, it's not just faith in faith, right? It's confidence in, it's trust in, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And here's what I want you to know, because I know this today, that, hey, but what about, man, you got these doubts and you got these questions, and I get it, like, it's, it's a natural, but, but here's the truth. If we wait till all of our doubts are gone, if we wait till all of our, an- our questions are answered, we're gonna be waiting for a long time. And at the end of the day, Faith is a choice. Faith, faith is a choice. I am choosing to place my trust and my confidence in the person of Jesus Christ. It, it, is, a, it is a choice that at the end of the day, we have to make. Now, what I want you to know today is that there's actually a blessing in that choice. That there's a blessing when we do that. We talked about Thomas earlier, doubt, doubting Thomas, right? And, and lucky for him, he got some of his answers. Like he got to see Jesus and he saw the, the wounds in, in his hands and, and all of Like he got his answers and he came to a place of faith and, and did amazing things with, 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 with his life and spreading the gospel. But you know, in that interaction, Jesus says something I think should be just so encouraging for us today. He says to Thomas, after Thomas gets the answers and Thomas believes, Jesus said this to him, you believe because you have seen me. But blessed are those, Jesus said, at Life Church Buffalo on November 3rd, 2019, who believe without what? Without seeing me. Now, I, I, I joke about that. You can give God thanks, that's fine. Listen, I, I know, like, obviously in that scripture, like, Life Church Buffalo is not in there. The church that I get to lead is not actually in there. But can I say this? Can I encourage you? No, you're in there. Jesus said to Thomas, you believe because you see. But blessed are those. Blessed are those who, even without seeing, believe. Faith and their confidence. Like, there is a blessing that even in the midst of doubt, even in the midst of questions, that we're willing to place our faith in the person of Jesus. So let me say this. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today, and, like, you're a follower of Jesus. Like, you've placed your faith in him. But for whatever reason, maybe you're in a little season of life in which some doubt has crept in. And there's a million different reasons, right? Like, there, there's things that we get. Life is a challenge. It's a struggle. It could be a family dynamic thing. That you're, it could be a health issue. It could be a financial struggle. It could be something at work, something at school, something with a, gr- a group of friends, something. Something happening in which some doubt has set in. Can I just encourage your heart today on this? Hey, what better day than today? 
than to reestablish your confidence in Christ. Like to, to reestablish your faith in him and your, and your strength in him. But then maybe you're here today and you say, Mark, I, I don't know that I've ever had a moment uh, to say yet like that, that question, what does it demand of me to believe, Mark? Mark I've never had that moment now. I've tried to be a good person. I've tried to do the right thing. Like I try to come to church and like hopefully when it's all said and done, the good outweighs the bad and God will kind of squeeze me into heaven. Can, can I just encourage you today? That's not what he expects of you. that he died on a cross for your sins and mine and he was resurrected to give eternal life. And let me encourage you, man, that the, the resurrection and what Jesus has done, it's changed my life. It's changed the lives of so many in this room. Why not let today be your day where it changes your life as well? Imagine this, imagine just as a church, all God has done just in the, in, the, in the years of Life Church, I believe the best is yet to come. I, I know that to be true. Imagine, imagine, imagine if this could be a place, continues to be a place, where people all across the Buffalo area have the chance to have the chance to respond and just say yes and have sins forgiven and have eternal life. What an amazing privilege that we have. Life Church, I'd love to pray for you this morning. Would you bow your heads and maybe close your eyes and pray with me? Father, we thank you. Thank you that we can call you Father. I thank you, God, that we can stand before you as sons and daughters today, uh, accepted by you. That we don't stand condemned uh, in your presence, but because of your great mercy and great love for us. We stand before you as sons and daughters of the living God. God, I pray for those who are here today and they've said yes to faith in you. They belong to you, but for whatever reason, there has been some doubt setting in, some questions. It could be something in our family, something at school, something that somebody else said about us. Uh, times when we've fallen short and mistakes that we've made and areas, flaws that we have that just kind of has us questioning things. I pray today, God, just in this place, that there would just be a move of people just reestablishing faith and trust and confidence in the God of this world. Maybe you're here today and you've not had that moment to just place your faith in him. Don't miss that, it's faith. But there's a blessing to it. It's not about a perfect prayer or anything like that, but if you're here today and you know that's your next step, just from a genuine place in your heart, Jesus, today is my day. And sure, there's doubts, sure, there's questions. What does it mean for that? That'll all, that'll all take care of itself. Today's my day. Jesus, I am choosing to place my faith in the fact that you died for me. So forgive me of my sins. I'm choosing today to believe that you've been raised from the dead and, and you give eternal life and abundant life in this world as well. And today, November 3rd, 2019, I'm saying yes to faith in you. Father, I, I, I praise you and I give you thanks for all that you've done in this place and that you will continue to do. And not only for this church, God, but, but churches all across the Buffalo area and across our country and world. Jesus, may you be lifted high. Draw people to yourself. We give you praise and we give you thanks uh, for, this, for these moments that we've had together today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Mark.